listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Han said that um, that we got him first. Nobody, he's got. You have another podcast recording later today. Is that right? I do. Yeah, yeah. Tonight. Oh, that's a good day. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. It's an exciting time. <laughs> Where are you coming to us from today? I'm from. I'm in Augusta, Georgia, right now. Um, I'm going to school here and getting my master's degree. So uh, I'm actually a coming. I'm living in a a trailer outside of a friend's house. So. I'm in the That's trailer it. right now. <laughs> we both have campers, and I, I oh, recognize yeah. that look right there. Yeah, yeah, the the you, window behind me. Yeah. <laughs> can can you give a quick tour? Can you like spin the phone around? I want to see. Yeah, this. sure. It's kind of it's kind of a mess in here. Um, can well, we turn the camera hard. Around? But but I'm I'm actually sitting in bed right now. So I got I got the TV set up right over here, nice. so I can lay in bed, watch TV. Um, it's got full you know kitchen area. All my running shoes are back up there. You can see. Uh, I've been working run specialty for a while, so luckily I have a lot of running shoes. But but I, I was able to bring about half of them with me <laughs> uh, in the camper. But that's yeah. a difficult decision. <laughs> it was very tough. It was actually I uh, I had laid them all out, and I was like telling myself that you know if I if I wanted to keep rotating them, I can just go home and grab a few. And so I picked the ones that I thought that I absolutely needed, and it ended up being like. 40 pairs and i was like oh hog man <laughs> uh, i had a question then so i saw a picture of your finish line and it looked like you were in the Sockney rift is that true yes yeah the endorphin rift mm-hmm. how did you like them did you wear that the whole time or did you switch i wore it the whole time and i i i it worked really well for me uh, i'm a huge fan of the endorphin speed um okay. and so i had the opportunity to like get a pair of trail shoes from this local running shoe store and they brought out a bunch of trail shoes and trying it on since I believe it's the same foam as the speed, just like the more yeah. trail uh, version. I put it on. I was like, this feels really good. And it felt great during the race. Like I had no issues at all. Um, I nice. felt stable, but still kind of responsive the whole time. So, and yeah, I like it a lot. Have you tried the edge yet? Uh, I have not. Okay. I have not tried the edge. It's a plated version of the Rift, basically. Or really? Two, two okay. thirds of a plate. Okay, I got gotcha. I know that for for Saucony at least, like when it comes to like the Endorphin Speed versus the Endorphin Pro, I've enjoyed the Speed better because I feel like I don't know if the foam is responsive enough for the plate to do its job. Um, so I don't know if I'd have the same experience with the with the Rift compared to the Edge, but it'd be worth a try. One or the other, and I'm a pro yeah. over the Speed. Really? I, okay. Like, instantly feel Neroma or numbness in the Speed. <laughs> oh man! But the plate or whatever, I agree. The, the it's harsh. In yeah. The pro, but yeah, it feels. Better. And I think I think if you're running like like if I were to do a, a workout on the roads and I'm you know approaching that like five minute a mile mark, um, then I can feel the plate doing its job when I'm going that quick. Right. But but in general, it feels a little sturdy. <laughs> that makes sense. The edge is a firm ride. I just got a pair on discount, and they're I would equate like I ran on the roads because I was just curious. There's a little ice I could justify it, and it felt very. Uh, you had the edge bracken. It felt very firm, like the pro. I don't one, anymore. Like, not a lot of give. Yeah, I mean, it, I should be told, even on the roads, I was like, yeah, I, might, I might see a five-second-per-mile uptick in pacing just from the shoe itself, which is yeah. valuable if you ask me. But it's it's a firm ride, yeah. Um, Hans, you're kind of living the, uh, you know, the Prefontaine dream right now. You're living in a trailer. <laughs> you got mm-hmm. your shit everywhere, just kind of chasing things. Uh, yep. 
I don't think there's a lot of people out there doing like that whole thing anymore. Cause you, so let's just, let's just rip the bandaid off here. Okay. So I had an athlete go out and race Bandera. Hey, Kirk, I did weekend. too. You did. We didn't Who's even talk about this. Beat who? <laughs> no, this, this was her first hundred K. Okay. This is Hans's first hundred K from what I understand. But, um, and he went out there and he had unfinished business and he PR'd by over two hours from his previous time. Oh my okay? goodness. Yeah. He went from like 13 and change to 11 and change, which was a big win for him. Fantastic yeah. execution. Two hours, right? And then you, yeah. Hans, go out there in your first 100K ever as what? You're 23. Is that right? Is that how old 23, you are? 23, yeah. I turn 24 next month. 23. So, but I'm, still, I'm still claiming 23. <laughs> That's right. Okay. And you break Jim Walmsley's record by 57 seconds in a 62-mile race. 57 seconds. The disparity yeah. there and how tight you cut that is incredible. And so Thank you. Yeah. we're talking to Hans Troyer today. He just broke the 100K uh, course record at Bandera. Obviously, I'd say most of our listeners know who Jim Wamsley is, so it's a stout record. And I honestly, I was on you right away. I was like, I got to talk to this kid. So I slid into your DMs, and we appreciate you <laughs> making the time to chat with us today. Absolutely. Yeah, and just just full disclaimer. I wanted to start off by saying that I did I did receive an email from the race director, uh, and he let me know on Monday that there was actually a slight mismarking on the course. So I will I will not claim the the course record. Jim Walmsley is still the man. I put it out of my I made a YouTube video on the race and I said so. Um, but I've been told that it was probably roughly six minutes off. Um, so. Mm. Yeah, disclaimer. I Jim Walmsley. I would still say he has the course record. He's still the man. Uh, but I do appreciate that, <laughs> well, <laughs> and I, I don't want to. I don't want to claim it if it's uh, was ended right up move. being a little short. Yeah, and you're being a man about it. But at the same time, like very few runners do get to say I was, I was a few minutes from Walmsley. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm very proud of it. Right. <laughs> and so, like, I mean, even so, with those extra minutes, like I still still would have been you know second all time on the course. Um, which I'm, I'm very proud of. So, so yeah. Well, and I, I always like, we knew Jim was great. You see his track times, you see what he's done places, but I hadn't experienced him ever one-on-one and I still Mm -hmm. haven't, but I was running in the white tank mountains in Arizona a few spring breaks ago and ended up ripping a very technical descent. And I fancy myself a little bit of a descender and I was like, this has to be pretty good. And I look on there and I was like, 48 seconds per mile behind what Jim was averaging. <laughs> Just like, you know, it was my first taste of like, we know he's great, but it was a little taste of how great it was. And mine was on like an eight mile run and his was on a 16 mile run. It was just like, yeah. like the stratospheric differences. Are enormous. <laughs> so it, it is a monster achievement. Also, mm-hmm. it's really, really cool. And I'd like to get here at some point, but just kind of laying the groundwork for it. Like you are a very good college runner. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. He was a very, very good college runner. Uh, yeah, and, absolutely. And, like, <laughs> and, and the, the, the ultra scene and the trail scene in particular is so cool to me because you ran like what, 30, 30? Correct. Yep. Which is extremely fast. And Jim's like a, a sub 14 guy. Yeah. And it's just like, there's <laughs> very fast level. individuals and then there are insanely fast and yet you get to kind of come together on the trails and it's it's really cool. For, Kirk was D3. I was D3. I believe you're D2. Like to see these people of the world do some stuff on big stages. Uh, one sec. I think I'm, I'm cutting out. I, I only heard about half of that sentence. Um, 
You turned sideways on us too for some reason. And frozen. frozen. Did I really? I know <laughs> your phone or something. Yeah, I mean, it happens. Um, are you yeah, hearing us okay right now? I hear you okay now. Yeah, the okay. pictures are all frozen. The, the, the mini recap that. is that it's cool to see, like, because Kirk and I were D three guys. You're D two, I believe. To see people who mm-hmm. are successful at that level transcend their level of success at the next level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, I was new, like running D two. Like, I've always been obsessed with just finding my potential in the sport. And um, you know, training for the ten k and the three k steeplechase for for so long. Um, you know, I definitely I made it to points where I never even thought I would get. But I think one of the main reasons I wanted to get into ultra running uh is just because i feel like my true potential is there mm-hmm. and um so that's that's one thing that gets me so excited about all these races is just <laughs> discovering what i'm capable of and, and competing against the best and uh yeah so but i agree before we um get ahead of ourselves i do want to just ask about this course discrepancy um okay. whose fault was that and and obviously, they're, you're penalized for it, of course. It's not like you're doing. But what was the deal there specifically? Do you know why the course was roughly six minutes short? Yeah. So so what I've been told is there was like a huge windstorm the Friday afternoon before the race. Um, and there was this this small little like almost loop right after the Chapa's aid station in which it was just kind of, it, I guess, the marking marked us to go straight instead of right. Um so we kind of just ran straight through this one loop instead of kind of going around to the right of it. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, so the, like the whole field ran the same distance. It's not like a few people got the different um, marking, but, but yeah, so it was just after top buzz, there was a, a, an area where we went straight down this path instead of made a slight right. But. Mm-hmm. And Bandera, yeah, I believe is that I have a two fifty K loops, right? So you had to run that section twice. Correct. Yep. So I could roll the dice with some of that stuff. I have a, so I'm 40 Hans and I have a trail race coming up in April and the goal is the master's course record, but weather always plays in here. We're in Minnesota. I'm in Minnesota. And so half the years, the river floods with the snow melt and they have to reroute the course. And then that, that's basically a, you lose your shot because it's not the official course. And so it's like every other year you get like a little detour and if you're chasing a record like I am, like if they just change the course one little blip, it's off the table, which is always like yeah. a very interesting thing when it comes to trail racing because road racing is so straightforward. Track obviously is the track. And then trails, sometimes weird crap like that happens. And you can go out there and have the day of your life, but because they had to go around a fallen tree or up a valley where they didn't have to go before, like gone. Mm-hmm. Opportunity not yeah. not allowed. <laughs> and for you, I mean, eight hours of eight eight hours of racing. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a pretty big commitment for them to be like, yeah, it doesn't count. It doesn't count, <laughs> Hans. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I mean, obviously, it wasn't funny like here, but they reached out and they were super kind about it. I mean, very apologetic. And I won't blame them for it. You know, the windstorm. I was out there running in the windstorm. I know how much how much wind was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no hard feelings about it. But it is definitely hard here after, you know, a couple of days of thinking that I had ran uh, what I did. But but like I said, even just a few minutes different from what I ran, I'm still very proud of. And that's the thing about trails. Like, even if the course is the same, it changes every year. Not like a... Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just like course records are cool. But if you're in the neighborhood, every runner in their mind can justify why theirs was every bit as good. Like mm-hmm. Full sun versus clouds. Your windstorm versus not windstorm. Snow versus sunshine it's like erosion of one part of the climb makes it harder and now the descent's easier it's it's kind of not an exact science yeah absolutely 
Hey, um, Hans, are you are we still frozen to you? Um, so y'all are y'all are moving around. You're kind of blurry, but my picture is gone. I can't see myself anymore. Um, but I can hear y'all just fine. I'm wondering if we want to. I'm wondering if we, Bracken, do you want to try to just disconnect and reconnect, just or stop and start, just to see if we can look at them? Yeah, might as well, Hans. Why don't you back out right now, Hans? Okay. I'm sideways. Yeah, what's up to you, Hans? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. This is a good dry run for your next recording this evening. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to take this thing by the reins real quick then. Um, so for, I want to set the stage a little bit here with this all. First of all, you're in college still. You just graduated, I believe, last spring, right? Something mm -hmm. around there, last spring or fall. So yep, fresh yep, out of college, um, track and cross country. It's very rare to see somebody right out of college go jump up in distance that big, right? Like people either chase road mm -hmm. times or they still try to hop into alumni meets or they give it up altogether and they become like a, <laughs> you know, weekend warrior, right? So it's yeah. rare enough to jump up in distance. Maybe, oh, okay, maybe you try a road 50K or the marathon or something. And then there's the next level that you see basically never, which is a jump up in distance and a jump over to the trails, because that's not what you've been practicing for your entire like running career. And so to yeah. see not only the jump in distance, but the jump in terrain, and then to go do it at the level you've done it, make it make sense to me. That's what I want to say. Make it make <laughs> sense to me. So, so, I mean, I have your, your typical like ultra marathoner story, like what I read in the books at least where, you know, I ran in college enjoyed it, had a great time, look forward to the long run every single week. It's just what I enjoyed the most was just running for a long time. Um, so I actually, I had been wanting to get an ultra marathons like all through college. And um, I, I had been reading some books about it. I was just interested. And I actually wanted to right as I graduated in the spring when track season ended, I had a plan just to run a hundred miles <laughs> just for fun, just to see what it was like. Like no, no real elevation changes. just on already. Um, But I was just, I just, I just wanted to see what it was like. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately as track was ending, I had like a few health issues. So I didn't get the opportunity to do that. Um, but I, I did like, I just ran a 50 K for, for fun, just to, just to see how that felt. And um, since it was on flat, it wasn't very difficult. It was fun. I ran with the team as they did their long run. I just kept going. Um, so all was well. But then to make sure the the health stuff was under um, control, I just took like two months of barely running, you know, sub 20 mile weeks, just taking it really easy. Um, but I had like, you know, the itch to to try something crazy. <laughs> so uh, in this July of this past year, I I had this plan. So at my parents' house in Noonan, Georgia, they have a little trail loop um, and it's 0.8 miles. So it's, it's pretty short, but it's got one little hill on it. Um, and I decided with two days in advance that I wanted to run 50 miles on it. Uh, so, <laughs> so it was kind of funny because the day before I had played pickleball with some friends. Um, I went back home, played spike ball with some friends. And I was like, ah, like, who cares? I'm still going to do it. And so I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning on a hot July day and just ran for, I think it was like eight hours or something. Um, and maybe seven and a half again, I'm not sure, but I ran 50 miles and I was like, wow, this is cool. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't super difficult. Like I, I had my issues going through it and I took small breaks to like eat goldfish, but that was about it. Um, and when I finished, I was like, that was, that was really fun. And I think I averaged like eight thirty a mile. Um, 
And I was like, and that's not too bad of a pace. And I didn't train for it. <laughs> I was like, what? So then, then I kind of sparked my own inter- interest of what, what would happen or what am I capable of if I like really dove in and trained for these ultras? Um, so I took about a week off after the 50 miler and then I wrote up a big training plan. Um, and it's kind of, I wrote up this big training plan to peak in like November for this small 50 K, uh, in my hometown in Noonan. Um, and I started training for it and I, I put in some, some really solid training and in like halfway in the buildup, I decided to run like another 50 K. So I did a 50 K here in Augusta, Georgia, where I am right now. Um, and then I did that 50 K there and, they were, they were, they were lots of fun. I had, I had a good time, but the same, like, I guess itch that I was talking about before was still there. Where like, I, I still didn't quite get to the point where I felt like I had, I guess, really achieved something yet. So I started looking for some, some bigger, more competitive races. Um, and I had a friend tell me about, uh, Bandera and I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's give it a shot. You know, I got to, I got to hold this mileage for another two months, but, but I'm, I'm going to run it. Um, and so I kept training and I, I think I owe a little bit of my success, uh, this past weekend to that extra two months because I had hit peak mileage, um, a few weeks before that 150k I was telling y'all about. And then I held that peak mileage up until the race. Um, and I think just that, that big base is one of the reasons that I felt great this past weekend. Um, but but yeah, so that was that was kind of the the mindset into running the race <laughs> and why I decided to run that race. Um so yeah. I have a couple of diversions here, Kirk. Love it. First of all, divert. Gen- I I can already hear half the audience going like, "What in the world? You just ran 50 miles <laughs> on a whim and it wasn't that bad." Like we runners have a way of like normalizing badness. And I do, but sometimes it actually isn't bad. Sometimes it's like if you were plopped into this feeling in normal life, you'd be worried you're dying. But because you're in a big run, you it's like, oh, it's not that bad. So what does that actually mean to you? You had to have done 60 laps-ish of, uh, of that loop in July in yeah, Georgia. Was, what does yeah. not bad actually mean? So, so I mean, I had... I had like a pretty decent hydration plan. Like I just drank water the whole time and I, I sweat a lot. Like it was hot that day. Um, but I, I don't really know what not that bad means. Like it was tough. Okay. Uh, my quads were kind of, I got like some small cramps, like in the forties in mileage. Um, but for the most part, like having it not be like a competition, like I wasn't racing yeah. anybody. Um, it was very relaxed environment. So like I, every 10 miles or so I would take a, you know, five minute break and, and drink some Mountain Dew and eat some goldfish and, and feel confident. And, you know, my, my wife was out there and my mom was out there and I would talk to them for a second. Um, so I think it was just the relaxed environment made it feel not so tough. Um, but I mean, it was, it was, and then also the fact that I woke up super early, like I was done running by like, you know, like 11 or 12 or something. So, mm-hmm. you know, I still have my whole day ahead of me. So I like got to still enjoy the day afterwards. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it didn't feel too bad. <laughs> so, so when I think about the difference between a long run and a long run, it's that at some point it stops being <laughs> like that fun to be out there. You realize like now it's a chore. Yeah. At what point yeah. did you hit that? What rough mileage was it like? Okay, this is work now. <laughs> um, well, it's kind of funny. So like, 
if I were to do a three hour long run, right. And mm -hmm. that's just like my, my training long run. It only, it would only take, you know, an hour and 40 minutes of that training long run to have that feeling of, oh, this is just taking forever. You know, I, I got stuff to do. Um, but it's because it's a training long run that I have that feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, when you put it into the point of like, I'm running as a test of endurance or how far I can go. It, I never really feel that, that feeling of, it feels like work because it's so exciting to me uh, when I, when I have a big goal like that, it's, it's the shorter runs that are just training blocks that, that will make it feel like it's work. Um, but the actual, like the races or that fun 50 miler, like I never felt, I never felt like it was work. Cause it was just, it was fun the whole time. Cause I was pushing myself. Interesting. Well, when that's things are novel, they tend to, yeah. I mean, well, especially cause if it's new, that's eventually that will probably change. I have a feeling you're going to keep doing this. And I think at some point <laughs> when you've already done 50 miles for the 20th time, it might change. Yeah. But, um, I got to ask right away. First is Mountain Dew and Goldfish. Is that a Hans approved race nutrition plan? <laughs> and is Mountain Dew and Goldfish also a Bandera, uh, race fueling plan? <laughs> Did that cross over? Uh, I would definitely approve it. It worked. Um, I felt great. However, I did not <laughs> use it at Bandera. <laughs> yeah, I, I stuck to a, a more uh, basic and scientifically proven <laughs> nutrition plan for Bandera, but no goldfish in Mountain Dew. It's actually, at the last aid station, I had a little bit of Coca-Cola, but no Mountain Dew still. <laughs> so one thing that always fascinates me is the transition from being coached to writing your own training plan. And it's like mm -hmm. a transition and some people it's abrupt, some, they still have people helping out, but to go from track, 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 cross, track, cross, track, cross, 50 K hundred K. Did you take route a, which was expand upon what I was already doing, or did you switch gears, switch lanes and do something different based upon what intuitively felt right? I, I would say closer to route a, um, I kind of, I kind of just built off what I was already doing. Uh, like I made slight changes to the plan, mm -hmm. but when I, when I had ran that like 50 K right after track season, when I was still in peak shape for track, um, I kind of, I think that all that speed training for the 10 K plays a big factor. Um, and even in the, the running really far part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so since I felt so good running those, that 50 K, um, I knew that, and I had l listened to some different podcasts and stuff about you know, training fast to run far. Um, so I didn't change a whole lot. Like I used to do Tuesday, like speed workouts, Friday, more threshold workouts and Sunday long run. Um, so I, I changed it around a little bit where I would still do Tuesday, like threshold stuff. But then instead of doing another Friday workout, I would kind of, I merged the long run with the Friday workout. So it was still kind of like two sessions a week. Um, but I had the same basic structure for the week, just with higher mileage and, kind of different workouts like nothing nothing on the speedy end just a lot of threshold stuff but change the intervals yeah. to threshold change the threshold to a quality long run up the mileage yep. a little bit mm -hmm. exactly so, and what is mileage for you familiar yeah what'd you hit in so, college versus so now? in college i was doing like in peak season i'd be going you know 90 to 105 miles like i was i was decently high um in mileage mm -hmm. for a college runner and then now training for this um I was sitting around between like 105 and 120 a week, depending on the week. But yeah, pretty consistently in that range. A lot of doubles to get there. Oh yeah, lots of doubles. I would do uh, yeah. five doubles a week, and then um, the long run wouldn't be a double. 
and there'd be one day where I would just do a singular shakeout run. Um, a question that is, keeps popping up in my head when I asked you about um, uh, transitioning. Is it hot in Georgia right now? Are you wiping sweat off your forehead, by the way? I am actually wiping sweat case, off my that's forehead. Not, that's <laughs> yeah, not cool, no, man. We're in, we're in the negatives up here. It's like negative <laughs> four currently. So I just keep yeah. noticing that. How hot is it down yeah. there right now? It's actually not super hot, um, but I'm in the I'm in the camper and I'm next to a window. Uh, and the sun's kind of shining in, so it's getting warm, but it's actually not too hot. Like it was, it's been getting into the twenties at night. Um, but I kind of positioned myself poorly sitting next to the, the hot window. <laughs> if you want to reconfigure, go for it. If that's okay, I'm going to move right over here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I just haven't seen anybody wipe sweat off their brow for like three months where I live. So to see you do it is, is novel yeah, to not, me right I, now. It's the first time um, I've sweated in here for a long time, but yeah. Um, so what I was going to ask, sorry to detract from my own point, but, um, I'm sort of sensing like Bracken, I don't know about you. Bracken mentioned, we both ran division three. I was a 1500 guy. He was an eight, maybe 15 guy. You would consider it. So we were mid distance, but it wasn't even in the sphere of like possibility to go like chase even the marathon or an ultra or anything. Like we didn't even talk about it. We didn't discuss it. Like maybe we'd show up to our local Turkey trot after college and that would be that. I'm mm -hmm. sensing like now there's a shift where like, I didn't even know ultras were a thing. Granted, I graduated <laughs> college in 2005, right? So is there a mm -hmm. shift like amongst you, your teammates, your circle now where like you're well aware that this is a thing and it is something that people your age aspire to do after college. Like, is that part of the equation now? Cause it wasn't at least for me when I was your age. I think I think it is. I mean, because I would even say like my freshman, sophomore year of college, it's something that I had really never heard of or considered as well. Um, and I don't know if it's just the fact that I was getting into it. The people around me were also getting into it. But for the most part, I mean, just talking to people this week about, you know, this past weekend, um, a lot of people, they, they know what Western States is and they know what a golden mm -hmm. ticket race is. And they know these things, which, you know, I didn't even know a few years ago. Um, so just for like, I mean, for college runners to know what that is, I feel like it's gotta be, it's gotta be growing. <laughs> um, but that's why I see it at least. Kirk, I did, I did the exact same thing he did right after graduating college, which is I went up five times my normal distance and race to see if I could do something long. <laughs> hmm. Which is what? Like a five mile? 5k like, 5k okay yeah. what? Get out a 5k here. to an 800 that meter doesn't count. a 5k to an 800 meter is proportionally longer than a 50k to a 10k guy i'm the hero here <laughs> oh my god <laughs> sorry tell tough. us your ways Bracken. i didn't have a smooth transition <laughs> i fell apart <laughs> i don't even know what to say to that um that's real <laughs> okay so so you think it at but okay, no, Bracken, though, actually speak to it in the sense I was bringing up, like beyond accessible road races and such. Did you guys talk about, was that ever part of any conversation? For us, it wasn't. I said this back, we talked to someone else. I forgot who it was. It might have been Tyler Germain or someone like that who had just left college and got right into running a marathon and his college coach coached him to a marathon and had prompted him to do that towards the end of his track season. And it just made me think when I was in college, we had a kid. Do you guys know Joe Stillen, David Stillen, the Stillen brothers? Mm -mm. One runner ran at Texas. He's a sub four guy. Mm -hmm. But it was before your time, so I don't hold that against you. Kurt's time. <laughs> Anyways, the younger Stillen brother went to a state school with us, and he ran a half in between cross and track. 
half marathon on the roads. And we were all blown away by his time. And he got in so much trouble from his coach. Like that's the di- difference between then and now. He went out and ran yeah. a half over the winter. And his coach is like, what are you doing? You are risking everything. And now they're like, hey, man, you know what I think you should do post-college? You should go longer. Like, it's just, it's a very different world. It was not a, it was not a path at the time. Mm-hmm. But for the record, if I were to run a half marathon in the off season before track season, I would have been kicked off the team as well. I get that. Really? <laughs> That's not okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, well, it's just more, it, 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 it would uh, mess up my training for, for the season. It makes but me think of, um, definitely wouldn't there, have been allowed to do it. Are you familiar? Are you familiar with um, like obstacle course racing at all, Hans? Like Tough Mudder, Spartan racing, like the any of Spartan races. Have you ever stuff? heard of any of that? Yeah, I have heard of it. Yeah, I've never done one. I've always thought it'd be really fun, though. Okay, well, it's just funny because well, we we had had our feet heavily in that space for a time. Me, not so much anymore. Bracken, maybe more than me. But I mean, one of the best in our in our sport was still running at what Utah State, and he couldn't let his coach know. So right. he came out and won a U.S. National Series race with notable prize money that is televised, trying to do it under the radar before his cross-country season. We're talking a half-marathon mountain race with obstacles. Oh and I think he pulled it off. They still took him back, didn't they, they Bracken? He was on scholarship. I him getting in trouble. <laughs> they didn't have a better option to yeah. fill that scholarship. That's the only reason why. <laughs> and I, ex- I exaggerate, of course, so, when I say kicked off the I would have been just fine, but it would have been frowned upon. <laughs> Um, so tell me this then Hans and don't hold back. Okay. It doesn't add up to what Bracken said. You're a very good runner. Uh, let's call it like statistically Jim Wamsley is a, was a very, very good runner. Let's add an extra very in there. Okay. So what is it about you? What is it about you that it, you believe is either part of a secret sauce of who you are and your DNA that allowed you to close a gap on somebody like him because your run times didn't equate his run times in college, for example, yet you, yeah. I guess, almost beat his course record. What, what do you think it is? What? And before you answer, I'm going to go for, as far as to say that if Jim had run that one year out of college, you would have beat him. Oh, Jim <laughs> had Jim had five to eight years to perfect his trail game mm. before he became Jim Walmsley. <clears throat> yeah. 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 You transitioned that, that better is, uh, than him. And I mean that with all due respect <laughs> to him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that That's a really good question. Um, I, I think that I, I approached ultras a little different than, than most people would. Um, like when I was going into it, I wasn't really seeing it. First of all, I wasn't even looking at it as like a hundred K distance. Like I always approach training and racing time-based. Um, so I approached it as a seven and a half to eight hour run. Um, and with doing that, I also didn't approach it as like it being a, a slow race. I think a lot of people, when they think of transitioning from a 10 K to a hundred K, they think that there's just an absolutely different world. Um, but I, I kind of approached it with the idea that I was going to be like fast going into it. Um, like I was talking to some, some people just a few days ago and they asked me if I ran a 5k instead of a hundred K over the weekend, like what, what time do I think I could have ran? Um, and I answered with something like 1450 and they're like, what do you mean? Like you only averaged, you know, 730 at the race. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, I've been training to be consistent all around. Uh, so I think that 
And I know that a lot more people are kind of going towards that mentality going into the the longer distance racing. Um, but I, like I said, I just, I just looked at it more as I'm, I'm going out there to run pretty fast for seven and a half hours, not so much of a completion of 62 miles. And I don't, I don't know what, um, Jim Walmsley's training looked like out of college. <laughs> I can't speak on any of that. Um, but, but that's at least the way I approached it. I think that's probably a little different than, than some people are looking at it. Um, so, so I, I don't know if I could just claim that for the success of the weekend, but, the but it definitely there? helped. It definitely helped. Were, you just always, were the signs always there? Were you better at the two mile than the mile in high school and cross country than two <laughs> and five than mile and 10? Then like, was it always like, if I jump up, I always do better. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to gale well. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, the, I remember that the telltale sign would be at long runs in college. I, you know, I only got up to two hours and five minutes in the long run, but I would do it and just feel so good the whole time. And I would look at teammates and they would talk about like dreading the long run each week. And I was just, I'd always kind of, you know, poke and prod about it and be like, oh, I feel, I feel great. This is so much fun. <laughs> um, but besides that, yeah, I just heard this exact same thing. We talked oh, to no Charlie way. Lawrence <laughs> a few weeks ago. You familiar with Charlie? Okay. He um, just broke the 50K uh, is, world record. Did he do the 50 miler? Yeah, yeah 50 okay. mile yeah, Or 50K or 50 miler? 50 mile. Okay. I, yeah, I misspoke. Yeah, I, uh, we familiar. interviewed him a few weeks yeah, back. Okay. But he said the exact, like verbatim. All really? week, I look forward to the long run. Long run was my favorite yeah, run. Absolutely. And I'd, I'd, I'd enjoy it. I'd build throughout. It's like, there's yep. that trait, whatever that thing is. That's the indicator. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, but, but yeah, I look forward to the long run. Well, it's like um, what I really hear, honestly, when it comes down to it, is more mindset. Um, you don't seem like someone who participates in things, I'm gathering. Like, that's not why you do it. You know, like participating doesn't probably move the needle for you, competing does. And so mm -hmm. the mindset was, I'm going to go compete. I'm not going to go survive. And I think when a lot of people make a transition to something new, their first toe in the water is, let me see if I can, like, let me survive. Right. Yeah. And so they put the time mm -hmm. in and they, they work one end of their, their fitness sword, but they don't work the sharp end. Right. They kind of leave that alone and just make sure they can get the time in on feet. And then there's a whole other level to it, which is like, I want, I know I can do that. You proved it to yourself in your own training, like 50 mile fun runs, we'll call it. And so you knew that was possible. And so then it, I think it's a mindset shift. And on this podcast, we talk about it. I mean, what is the saying or did Wamsley say it or who said it? Something about like, you don't need to be fast to win an ultra, but like, do you know any, do you know any people oh, yeah. who win ultras yeah. that have, that don't run under 15 in the 5k? Like, no, like everybody who's anybody <laughs> in this sport, like can go out and run 1445 when they're fit because they don't lose track of that side of their fitness. Um, yeah. and who's the ultra runner said, Bracken who goes up? What was the quote? You said, be, breaking 15 in a 5k won't make you a good ultra runner but like name a top ultra runner who can't break 15 yeah that's a little more poetic but you get the point so so not losing touch because and i'm not i know you know all this um hans but staying efficient translates to duration like without oh, yeah. question what i'm trying to wrap my head around with you is bandera's technical really technical at times there's plenty mm -hmm. of climbing and descending. I translated to mountain racing in 2016 for the first time. I was a 1,500-meter D3 All-American, and I never ran up more than an anthill. I went to the <laughs> mountains, Hans, and I got crushed. I mean, mm -hmm. to the point where, like, 
let's say I was a 1445 KR, I was getting beat by 17 minute five KRs in the mountains. That kind of crushed. <laughs> gotcha. And so for you to so for you to go, so for me it's always and then I got to work on it and it took years and years, and now I can climb acceptably, we'll call it. So mm-hmm. can you walk me through that? Because we have a lot of listeners. I think we've converted a few Bracken who like find us because they're trying to run faster on the roads. And we talk about trail racing so much in ultras. People get curious and they transition. What, what did you do? Like, how was this just something that you have yet again? Like, how did you get ready for something like that? Considering you had a flat asphalt or track surface background. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. Yes. So, I mean, all through like the training block, there's really not too many hills around here, especially like what I, what I saw out there. Um, and I knew that, like I knew training wise that I wasn't going to see the same things that some people get to see. So I tried to supplement it with some weight room activities, whether it just be quad strengthening stuff or just um, anything I can do just to strengthen without actually going up hills. If I did find hills, I was doing, you know, could you be simple specific, things, like, actually in terms Sorry of the weight room stuff. Could you be specific? I'd be curious. But yeah, the things you did that were non-running to get ready. Yeah, I did. Um, So... Lots of like lunges where I do like knees over toes stuff just to, you know, and then use my quads to pull me back up. Um, there's that guy, the knees over toes guy. And I got like three workouts from him where I would, I would do those just to strengthen my knees. Um, whether it be like walking backwards on a treadmill or doing those walking lunges with the knees over toes or strengthening up, you know, I think it's like anterior tip or something in the front of your leg. Um, when you lean against the wall and you like pick your toes up, um, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And then I would even, if I had like a big hill, like post run, you know, I do hill strides, and then I would walk up the hill backwards, um, just to try and try and strengthen it. And and I'd say that it worked pretty well. And I've always been like pretty good at technical running. Like I'm, I guess my neuromuscular connection with my legs or whatever is pretty good. Like I'm good at putting my feet in different places. Uh, and also, like I'm I'm only like five seven, so I'm a little shorter, <laughs> so it's it's easier to uh to find good foot placement, but. Um, I definitely helped. Like, I mean, my quads might say otherwise right now, cause my quads are still five days out, kind of destroyed. <laughs> like the, the hills definitely <laughs> tore me up. Um, but it, it might've even been just being kind of oblivious to like what the hills were going to be like that ultimately helped me. Um, because like I saw the hill and it was never like, uh, like I didn't have, I don't know if there's like specific ways you're supposed to run up and down hills. <laughs> I'm sure some people would tell you there is, but in my head, it was just like, Oh, run up it and run down it. And I, I had like one of the, one of the volunteers out there. He said that um, there's this one part where you run up a hill and pretty much make a loop and run right back down it. And I got to the bottom and he just told me that I was so graceful running down and I was, and I felt not very graceful running down. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure that maybe I have uh, like a, a good ability to run, downhill and on technical terrain um but it wasn't i wasn't able to practice it super well going in um which may have helped me may have not but but yeah so if i had to just guess here if i had to speculate bandera has been a golden ticket race in the past it is only a lottery race this year but it has to have if you weren't already aware of it it has to have piqued your interest about western states and if you are what I assume you are, which is intent upon being someone in this space in the U S mm-hmm. you eventually have to run Western States. So just assuming without asking you that you're already locked in on running Western States eventually and doing really well there. 
What does mm-hmm. that mean for you in your training and potentially your location of training moving forward? A lot of assumptions. That's it's a lot to think about. <laughs> uh, obviously, yes, I do want to be. I want to be competitive at those big races, and um, what that means for my future and location, I'm not sure. I mean, I definitely I need to to figure some things out, or at least while I'm still here, try and figure out ways to to train for those mountain races without a whole lot of mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually even this week I've been trying to to you know look within like an hour of driving if there's any um just bigger hills that i can find uh just to try and do more vert as i train but but uh it's it's a lot to think about and i can see myself in the future um you know possibly moving to to find some more some more uh good areas to train um but right now it's still also so soon and and um it's a lot to think about so i don't really know yet how much longer do you have at August, uh, Augusta? So I actually just started my master's program like this semester. <laughs> uh, however, it is it is a fully online program, so like I could technically okay. do it anywhere I want. But I am the I'm the graduate assistant coach uh, for the cross country and track team as well. So that's why mm-hmm. I am here in Augusta. Um, mm-hmm. So so I have I have some obligations to be here um, for the time being. But but yeah. Okay. That's best case scenario. Grad assistant coaching position while getting your master's like that is Absolutely. putting your hands behind your head and just <laughs> loving it. That's best Absolutely. case scenario for a runner. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Um, yeah, I used to oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You're the guest. I was yeah, I used to uh, I used to always tell people because I worked I worked out of Fleet Feet. Um I still in like seasonal out of Fleet Feet. Um but when I was like fitting people at work I'd always say, like, yeah, you know, I, I <clears throat> sell running shoes and talk about running and then I was a kinesiology major. So I studied running and then I would go to practice and run. I was like, I'm pretty invested in the sport. <laughs> it uh, kind of surrounds me. <laughs> this is not important, very adjacent, but is this your full-time residence, this camper? For right now? Yeah. Um, How's your wife I, like so, that? So, well, actually she ended up staying in, in Noonan. Uh, so we're doing distance right now um, okay. while I'm in school. So we'll see each other on the weekends. Uh, but no, if she were to, if she were to move back to Augusta with me, we would not be living in the camper, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm pretty good at roughing it. So I figure I could, uh, I could have some fun and try out this lifestyle and it's pretty cool. I mean, I enjoy it thus far, but it's still pretty fresh. Makes sense. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the vert. Uh, we've done episodes on how to train for mountains when you don't have mountains. I live in Minnesota. Um, Bracken lives in Wisconsin. Uh, I, from an hour from my house, I have to drive and I can get a hill that gets 230 feet of gain. You know, that's the biggest climb I have access to, but I got to drive an hour brackets. Let's say similar, maybe four forty within two hours. I can really rip. Okay. Bandera. So we've, we, this is a topic that we chat about a good bit. And I, I would say somebody know better to chat with about this than you who just completed what i would call mountain ultra uh is it eight thousand feet of vert how much is in bandera do you recall 6600 6600 is what it came out to so it's not full-on all mountain race but if you talk 3300 feet of vert over 50k like it's a notable factor we will call it um yeah Running wise, specifically, uh, forget about the gym. Did you have, do you have access to any, like, are you going and doing hill repeats? Did you have access to trails for long runs with notable vert? 
And did you do any quality sessions that involve vert or uphill treadmill work? Or were you doing your flat threshold work and then somehow pieced it together with your strength work? Like, what did that look like more specifically? I would say the pretty much this anything threshold was on flat. Um, I'd either just do it on the roads or even the track if I had something a little speedier. Um, the only time I ever really hit any hills would just be like on easy runs. Uh, so I never really did any like fast work on the hills. Just because I wanted it to be like a quality session. Uh, and I think that if I were to try and, you know, run on a small trail where there's a lot of loops and turns, I won't get the same effect as a threshold on the roads. So I kept the two apart. Um, and I think that like, just when it comes to, to threshold, I mean, you're teaching your body to work well, going those paces with lactic acid and how to flush it out. And I think that converts to running on hills. I mean, it's the same basic process in your body. Uh, is how your body works with oxygen. <laughs> so, uh, so I feel like they kind of compare in the way, um, if you're training for, if I'm doing this threshold workouts, I feel like running up a hill has the same basic, like idea in the body, I guess. Mm-hmm. We talk on here a lot. That's that engine the way is I engine. see it. <laughs> yeah. We believe engine is yeah. engine. As long as you pair sure. it with the necessary, you know, alternative means of training to be able to handle it. But of those alternative means, you talked, you did lunges, you did weight room stuff, going up and down the hills you could find. What, what, what was the single most beneficial thing you felt on race day? Like, I'm sure glad I did blank. Hmm. That is a good question. I'm sure glad this is new training related. I'm sure <laughs> glad that I brought the salt stick like tablets with me because I didn't <laughs> use them the first two 50 Ks <laughs> and the, the salt stick tablets are a game changer. I, I didn't. Uh, so that was, that was the single most different thing that I used for racing. But when it came to training, I was really happy that I did these. So what I, every like other week I would do like a three hour uptempo long run where it's kind of like progressing progression long run. So mm -hmm. I would start at, you know, like 7.15 and over the period of three hours, which ultimately ended up being like 28 miles or so, I would just progress down to like 5.30. Um, so like pretty big session, but I don't, it just kind of taught me more about my body and how it reacts to, first of all, running for a pretty long time. And second of all, being tired while doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I did a lot of those kind of middle of the cycle. And then as I progressed further in this training cycle, I started doing it less often just because, I mean, it, it was pretty tough on the body to do those, but I'm super happy that I did do all of those because it had a very similar feel to it that it, this past race did um, yeah. in terms of just feeling tired and kind of pushing through it. But that makes sense to, to help the listeners wrap their mind around, like, how does that translate to what they feel or do? What is 715 and 530 equate to you pace wise like what kind of efforts are those so pretty much the 715 is just your everyday easy run pace um your conversational mm -hmm. um just your recovery runs and then i would say closer to like the 550 to six flat is my my up tempo where at that point it feels like you're running faster but not like like you're still very smooth you're running faster you could still talk with somebody but at that point you feel like you're you feel like you're running faster on the 530 that's as you're getting down to the tempo range so that's where mm -hmm. you want to you want to feel like you're running fast but controlled you never want to feel uncontrolled um the second you start breathing too hard or heart rate gets too high or you start losing your form then you've gone too fast um so from very conversational easy pace recovery to faster but still feeling really easy to faster and controlled without overworking okay and for comparison do you know roughly what your 5k pace or your lt pace would be right about now 
a 5k pace would probably be i don't know like 440 pace 445 pace um lt pace maybe that's a good question i, I don't want to <laughs> i don't want to say anything that's probably completely wrong <laughs> um but maybe 510 okay so you're you're not getting the threshold on that long run it's sustainably sub threshold yeah yes yeah it's it's just comfortable okay yeah i think that's good for people to hear because there's a difference sub threshold to there's... start a run versus two and a half hours in. I could see how yeah. that would feel very powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Hans has been listening to our podcast secretly, taking taking our <laughs> tips and applying them to his racing. We this is all stuff. It's just interesting because Bracken and I share a pretty similar philosophy. And you like if we were to coach you, I it sounds like exactly what I would prescribe. Like there's nothing more powerful than a progression long run. If I could have one long run, it would be a progression long yeah. run. Like without question mm -hmm. i think it translates better and then just the way you're talking about how you go through your your week um it's all very familiar and familiar to our listeners too so you're affirming so a lot of the things that we we've said i would say it's the only reason we years. brought you on um and by off us up. yeah it's it just to make us look good and by the way hans and bracken we haven't even said this is our 400th episode today hans we're on number 400 oh, wow. even congratulations <laughs> so you're, you're a benchmark episode wow bracken, that's amazing bracken's, i'm honored bracken he was thinking of me when he went to bed last night and he sent me a text reminding me us we had an anniversary. It's our four-year anniversary. Today. And our four-year, yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, you're, you're the guest of honor for real. Um, <laughs> I'm honored. So I don't, know if I'm opening a, I don't know if I'm opening a can of worms uh, you're not comfortable talking about or not. But you mentioned you had some health issues. You weren't running a whole lot. And I don't know what the timeline was on that. Uh, mm -hmm. if that was like six months ago or years ago, I don't know. But like when I heard you say that and then thinking about like, not only did you not race ultras before, but then you came off of a period of training and which wasn't ideal what it sounds like. And then suddenly now you're running further than ever. Like, are you cool to share? Like, when was that? Like, how did you come out of and through that? Because that's 20 miles a week isn't even close to cutting it. And it sounds like you were stuck there for a while. <laughs> while you were working through things. Can you like talk me yeah. through that? Like then how you work up to 120 mile weeks off of that? Like what happened? When was yeah, it? How did you progress? Yeah. So pretty much it was, it would be, I guess, April of 2023 when, um, so what happened was it started to get obviously pretty hot in Augusta cause it gets really hot in Augusta, Georgia. Um, and so I was training pretty much peak season training, getting ready for conference championships. Uh, and I also, I love disc golf. Have you guys heard of disc golf before? Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. golf, golf, frisbee. Um, so I play that all the time. So I was playing that a lot and also running as the heat got, um, pretty hot and I just didn't properly hydrate as much as I should. Um, so there's a few weeks of just, I guess, overworking my body a little bit. Um, so ultimately what happening was, um, I got, uh, rhabdomyolysis. Have y'all heard Oof. of that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so it's I started nice guests on our podcast who have have suffered with rhabdo and ended up yeah. not great situ days in the hospital. So we're, we've actually had a at length discussion for anybody curious. TJ Schroffnagel's episode on the ultra, but continue. Yeah, so, so when that I had like you know one episode of that, and I <clears> didn't really know what was going on. I just assumed I was dehydrated, so um, kind of kept training for the next few weeks, and ultimately. Um, so my, my whole family is kind of like medical field. My mom, my mom's a nurse practitioner. My dad's a nurse. So they really know what's going on. So I finally kind of just let them know um, what was going on. My mom immediately was like, you know, Hans, that's not good. Uh, you could you could destroy your kidneys with that. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, but we were only like a week away from conference. And uh, my oh, training gosh, was going pretty well. So 
I was mm. like, well, mom, I, while I understand, uh, I got, got some work to do. It's my super senior year. <laughs> and so we just pretty closely monitored um, how I was doing. I just made sure to like stay super hydrated. And conference, conference could have been a movie with the way it was going. Because I raced the 10K first and then wasn't in good shape. Um, and I had like a day to prepare for this steeple chase. It was, it was crazy. It was awesome. But it was successful, though. And so then as soon as it was successful, I decided to just go out on top. And I just called my season right there. So I didn't do any like post-conference meets or anything like that. Um, and just enjoyed the next few weeks just taking it easy. Um, just making sure I stayed hydrated and, and ate the proper foods and focused on my recovery. And so that's when those like nothing north of 20 mile weeks were going on. Um, like if I had a friend that asked me to go on a little run with them, I would do it. It's something really light, but I wasn't doing any workouts just to, to make sure that I was good. But, but I really, I, I, I'd say I recovered pretty quick. Um, and the whole two months was just kind of precautionary. Uh, but I really just owe it to playing a lot of disc golf and running in the hot weather for, for weeks um, without proper hydration. But been good ever since so uh everything's going well and how it converted the 121 weeks i mean i think that like as much as much uh miles as 120 mile weeks are they i wasn't doing as as high intensity as some of the ones in in the track season i think the high intensity stuff is what really plays a big um factor on the body so at first when i was building up in mileage it wasn't a lot i mean besides like small fart licks um, I really wasn't doing anything intense and like some hill strides and stuff, but so the slow buildup of mileage without the intensity, I think I was still recovering as I was building up a mileage. So that's why I was able to do it pretty quick. But, but I, I, I was telling somebody, um, like a couple months ago that the 120 mile weeks, they really feel, they feel like the 90 mile weeks in college, just because the intensity is completely different, um, in terms of like how my body feels, but it felt like a, a pretty easy transition. And plus I was just so excited to train every day. And I think that having like a good mentality going into training um, in terms of like wanting to do it, I think that quality of life plays a huge factor. And so I told myself as I was building up to those really high mileage weeks that um, I like wasn't going to get obviously very invested, but mentally I wasn't going to get too invested to where like it just rolls over me all the time. And so I made sure, you know, still play some disc golf and, and hang out with my friends and just do do fun things as a young 20 something. And I think that that ultimately helped me out a lot was the fact that while I was still putting in all the miles and doing all the work that I should have been doing mentally, I wasn't it didn't feel like I was really training super hard. And so my quality of life was really high. Uh, and so I think that the 120 mile weeks just came really naturally after that quality of life is like a 20% reduction in volume. It feels like. <laughs> Absolutely. Also 400 episodes in, this is the first time in my life that I have heard of someone doubling 10 K steeple while recovering from rhabdo. So that's unique. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heard crazy, those crazy words paired together <laughs> in my entire yeah. life. Oh man. It was awesome. I, it was so fun. <laughs> yeah. Someone with rhabdo saying it was awesome and so fun. Uh, <laughs> Also probably hasn't been said before. Um, can you just, just for a learnable moment here for the listeners, can you j just, uh, we got a lot of ultra athletes that listen, uh, rhabdo signs, warnings, like what was your body doing? How, what was off, I guess. And how on earth did you perform well through that? So first, what, what was going on with you that you knew something was off? 
So, well, obviously the, the, the major sign of it is, so what pretty much happens is you're overworking your body, right? And so your muscles, like it's a, if I, I, and don't quote me on this, but I believe that your muscles kind of like deteriorate a certain, deteriorate a certain protein. And so the protein goes into your bloodstream. Um, and then ultimately your kidneys are trying to filter out the protein. Um, so what, what it looks like is when you, so this is going to get a little vile, but when you pee, it kind of looks like blood. Um, like you're, it's not a good color. And so because your kidneys are trying to filter it out and ultimately the real danger behind that is your kidneys, they're not really, they don't want to filter that out. And so a real excess in it can cause kidney failure, which is why some people get hospitalized for it. Um, but it's just, it's just overworking the muscles to absolute exhaustion. And I would notice like, as I felt it, I mean, easy runs would still always feel really easy, but when I started getting the thick of it, trying to run faster, um, was when I could just feel my legs like just being just fit. They felt lactic really um, just on not very fast reps. And so just feeling tired and then mentally more tired. Um, but really it's just the, the peeing blood was what scared me the most. <laughs> not, not fun thing. Kirk, I don't know about you, but this is my first time hearing about it specifically from an endurance perspective of cardiovascular being the main driver. Uh, the cases I've known before, one guy went after the 24-hour kettlebell swing world record. Another did a pull-up 24-hour challenge. It was very much like a localized muscular contraction over and over and over and over and over that led to it. I haven't heard it, and I know it exists, but I don't know anyone personally that it was just like global endurance fatigue with dehydration that led to it. That's kind of interesting. TJ's, I guess, would be a little different. He got his during an ultra, right? During a hot ultra. Yeah, but he was also, I mean, he was having full on quad and hamstring cramps. I mean, you could call it localized with the mountain effort, right? He was, his lower body was thrashed. That's true. So you would almost, it would almost be an endurance muscular occasion, but yeah. True. So, so, okay. So you trained through that. So actually, because I think this is going to be interesting. So you somehow pulled off a great conference meet. That's how you ended your college career then. So you had rhabdo, Mm -hmm. you were trying to monitor it and like, it has to be a delicate balancing act going into races yeah. like that you said it was awesome but like rabdo's not awesome so tell me about tell me about that that weekend like how did you how did you get through that and make it work yeah so happened? i mean the first episode that i had had was like two weeks before conference and so after immediately <clears throat> seeing that and just being like nervous about it i i hydrated really really well the next two weeks and so i didn't have another episode till actually after the 10k at conference but luckily for me the 10k in ended up being like a very tactical race um so it wasn't just it's like a, a you know wasn't fast from the beginning it was, it was very slow at the start so that really helped me because i actually didn't feel good at all during the race but luckily it came down to a big kick and i had been working on my kick all year so uh it, it went up playing in my favor uh very well but then directly after the race <clears throat> i had another episode Does my that mean you won? obviously not in very good shape i did win yes yeah i won it uh it was okay Look at you, humble. Didn't even tell us he won. uh, (laughs) So you felt like crap and still won. Uh, Yeah, it is. It played in my favor. Um, I think that there was there was really a lot of talented guys in the line, but it just played my favor that day. But yeah, so then after the race, I had another episode, and I this is when it got really bad. I you know I felt really like dizzy and nauseous. Um, I didn't really feel like I could eat very much, Um, and so that's when I got kind of nervous about it. Um, and then my mom actually, cause she was there and like I said, she's a nurse practitioner or she still is. So she, she recommended that we like 
fly me back home and you know get me like an iv uh because it could be dangerous and i'm just i'm stubborn and competitive so i was i was like mom i got another race to run like i can do this and so in that 24 hours i just got a lot of sugar and water and just tried to put everything together the best i can and then um the morning before the steeplechase i woke up same thing just feeling dizzy nauseous just not good um and there was a lot of like were debate you on if I should race brown or, or not. Blood at that point, were you? Sleep? I had Did only you have the dark urine and all that again. I had the dark urine the um, right after the 10k, um, and then one more time that same afternoon because the 10k was like Friday morning, really early. So right after the 10k, I did. And then later in the day, I had it again. But then by the night, it was clear again. And then the morning of, it was clear again. But I wasn't feeling very good. Um, and so, uh me being stubborn ran the steeplechase um and in the in the peach belt conference which is the one i was in the steeplechase isn't like the most competitive event so that one went uh well as well no pr or anything nothing too quick but but i i ran it very tactically um <laughs> i ran it very tactically and it paid off um but luckily i survived <laughs> so so all is well but probably wasn't very smart it has to be legendary on, I'm on surprised. The, like team locker room chats now. Like every oh, yeah. freshman well, it was is so cool too story. because yeah, because we we wanted to you know keep it a secret because we didn't want mm-hmm. the other teams to know that I was feeling weak and not good. Um, and so it was it was kind of funny. I, you know, I would like hide in my room and and make sure that no one knew that I wasn't feeling good except for my teammates. So that was interesting. And oh, I for, I forgot one crucial fact. I didn't tell my coach at all that this was happening. <laughs> Um, because oh, I knew that he goodness. would, he would do the correct thing and pull me out. So I kept it a secret from him. Um, so that was, as yeah, that's a crucial fact. I forgot. <laughs> How did he find out? It's, uh... <laughs> I told him after the steeplechase because he was congratulating me and talking to me about postseason. And I was like, coach, I, I regret to inform you, but I don't think I should do postseason. <laughs> He's like, why is that? But and I, and I had to come clean. Oh. I, I mean this as a big compliment. It makes sense now. You're stubborn enough and dumb enough to do well in the ultra space. <laughs> because you yeah. just have to go forward with like blind inhibition, right? Like you can't hurt me. Like you can't hurt me. I'm just going to like my body does what it is told. Like that mentality, yeah, right? Much. Like it sort of takes yeah. that in these extreme. Like and I don't mean dumb in like a literal sense, but like just hard-headed no, I got you. I that I'm going to do this no matter what. <laughs> It's a race skill. My to my curiosity then, from the equation because you can think <laughs> yeah. yourself right into a DNF. Yeah, my curiosity is those that have experienced rhabdo get gun shy, um, and then we can move on from this. Not to dwell on it any longer, but like gun shy about doing it again. Fear of like an ultra space would be a prime example for it to happen again. Like after an ultra mm-hmm. endurance event, you know, no no gun shy uh dread or anything with future training there, events a little bit and then in, in the 50 miler and and that 50k that i did just like a few weeks later after a conference both of them like i took hydration super seriously and i remember like you know like peeing during the the runs and thinking like being so nervous as soon as i started i was like please 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 that i'd be good i'd be like oh thank goodness <laughs> so i mean i was definitely nervous about it um but i had i feel like i had felt like better um, mm-hmm. before those races than I did previously when I had it. So, uh, 
So I was still confident, but I was confidently being um, smart about it this time. <laughs> that, that This is unique. Never gone this route before. All right. So transitioning out of that, <laughs> I found the trails in the mountains within a year of graduating college. And I had two kind of foolish struggles right away. The first is I really struggle, struggled to power hike. It felt like such a concession. Like from the track and cross world, walking was just never even entering into the equation and to walk on course felt really bad. And I also struggled with weight in terms of carrying things on me. I didn't want to wear a pack. I didn't want to wear a belt. I wanted the most minimal thing possible because I didn't feel fast. Like I had to wear no socks with my spikes because it felt faster. Like putting on crew socks was, it was too much weight. I didn't like it. And I also never wanted to stop at an aid station because it felt like that is just free time to keep moving. So it was just this mental battle to how much do I carry so I don't have to stop, but I'm not going to get in enough and I cannot power hike. So I'm, I'm just curious about your transition because you transitioned just as quick, if not quicker than I did to the trails, mm -hmm. what that was like going from a sport where you wear nothing extra and you carry nothing. And maybe at like a conference 10 K you would take water on the back stretch, And that's about it to this. Yeah. What was that like? <laughs> Uh, I had a, a similar experience. I <laughs> I want to feel fast when I'm running, and so like even um even at Bandera's past weekend, I uh I was like as soon as the race started, we jogged out, and there was like one guy ahead of me, and we started to hit the first big hill, and he was probably 30 meters ahead of me as we were about to hit it, and after we covered another 50, like I'd already caught up and passed him because you know he slowed down to 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 I guess walk jog up the hill, and um surprised me a little bit. And then mm -hmm. even like, like later in the race, there's this one like really steep hill. And so this is in the final few miles. And for the first time I had actually like kind of hiked up the hill instead of just try to run up it. Mm -hmm. And previously I had been doing this like, you know, super slow, like jog shuffle up the hills, but you know, mentally I was still running. That's what I was telling myself at least. Um, and then later in the race, when I actually like did a hike up a hill, I was like, Oh wait, that was if anything easier, probably just as fast and beneficial. And so I still definitely need to learn about, uh, about that. And same thing mm -hmm. when it comes to carrying stuff, like I held a 14 ounce, a handheld the whole race. And like, that was it. Um, I actually, I bought a, like a hydration vest a few months ago. Uh, cause I was like, Oh, this is what I need. This is, you know, what mm -hmm. ultra runners wear. And I tried to run in it and same thing. It just felt like kind of, heavy and not fast and it i only wore it probably <laughs> 10 times total but so i'm sure in, in bigger longer races i'll have to have an adjustment but it's it's not been super easy to to not feel fast sometimes were you like the steeplechase approach into barriers with the uh with the aid stations where you're just like accelerate in minimum time there accelerate out or did you because you only carried 14 ounces, did you have to like actually use the stations and was that torture? Yeah. So, so I did, I used the stations and I, I had been prepping myself mentally uh, for months to actually stop at them. Um, and so it's cause I wasn't used to doing that, but I actually stopped at the A stations and obviously they filled up my water bottle. Um, I met my crew, which was my parents there and they'd give me, you know, some sort of gels. Um, and so I was doing, you know, under a minute stops. And I, I had some friends tell me after the race, cause they, they, uh, watched some videos of me running through it. And they're like, what were you doing? I was like, what do you mean? What was I doing? They're like, you were, you were standing there so long. 
uh, at the aid stations. And I thought I was quick, uh, but there's some room for improvement there as well. But mm-hmm. but I thought I was playing it smart by stopping at all of them and taking yeah. my time to get the fuel. And I've had a few people tell me that I, that wasn't the smartest thing. Trail people or track people? Yeah, some trail people. Okay. Like in terms of think- like for the top guys. I guess like um, I guess someone brought up Jim Walmsley and said that he would he kind of jogs through and then if he needs to walk and eat he'll like wait make sure he gets out of the view of the aid station first uh, to to eat mm-hmm. so stuff like that. But do you think you could have found six minutes if you had to? Looking back, could you have found <laughs> six minutes? Um, I it's it'd be a big statement to say yes, but there's definitely places where I could have done a lot better. Uh, like when I, when I started the second lap, um, I was actually faster than I thought I was going to be, but I was, I was talking to some friends the night before and they were saying that historically everybody who runs Bandera positive splits like crazy. And so when I started the second lap and I had been already too fast, I I had this mental thought of, I don't want to be another statistic. I'm going to negative split this thing. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I actually took off probably too fast starting my second lap and was excited. And so I kind of lacked or I slacked off with electrolytes. And so around mile 40 on an uphill, I actually started to get a little bit of a leg cramp. Um, My my left hip flexor was starting to cramp in my right hamstring. Um, And so that made me really nervous. And I had never like, bonked and recovered in a race because i'm still so new to everything so i was thinking oh no like if i bonk this early i'm not going to be able to recover but i knew what i needed to do so i immediately you know slowed down a little bit um started taking more of the salt pills just trying to get back on track i went ahead and drank all of my water right then and there um and so there was probably a period of like five miles where i really wasn't feeling great and i was def i slowed down on purpose and so sometimes i think that maybe if if i would have done better with my electrolytes in that section i wouldn't have had to slow down um and then also the aid stations being not as quick as they could have been makes me think there's there's a possibility but once mm-hmm. again it, it'd be too big of a uh, statement to say yes <laughs> but there is room there was room which is what i was there was room uh, for improvement guessing Absolutely. you would say so so bracken got us here and the two things i still wanted to chat about was the race itself which we actually haven't chatted about and then just what you're thinking for the future um my curiosity then going into a race being a new distance, you've never really raced a competitive trail race from the like a truly competitive trail race. Like, can you just walk us through the race? Like your strategy, like the, the morning of or the night before, like any mantras you kept telling yourself, where's your brain going when you're, cause you ran solo for the majority of the race. Like just walk me through yeah. the race. If you could like thoughts, uh, tactics, all that. Yeah. So I had, I had talked to a few friends the night before <laughs> and the same friends are talking about the positive split thing. And um, I had mentioned in my game plan, and I, I told them that I think that seven mid average pace is not of the question. Um, and they're kind of they're kind of like, wait, what? Really? And I was like, yeah, I, I think so. Um, and so I have been kind of just hammering that pace into my head for you know a couple months. Um, and I really like believed that it was possible and that I could do it. And so going into the race, also, I I had some advice where someone said, when you start the race if you feel like you're going slow, go slower. And I was, and so I, I took that advice a little bit. Um, and it didn't take long. It was probably only 15 miles in where I decided that I feel like I could go a little quicker. And so I started pushing the pace a little bit already at like 15 miles. 
but I felt like super, super good. Um, I was having so much fun. Like the views were amazing. Like I would climb up a mountain, just look left and right and just start smiling. And it was just so cool to see and so fun just to explore because I never ran these trails before. I never even raced out west or I guess that's west, but I never raced in that type of terrain. So everything was so cool to me. Um, I was just having so fun, so much fun. Uh, just it felt like exploring and seeing cool things. So I was smiling every aid station. I was smiling. I think there's a video of me like dancing at one because they're playing one of my favorite songs. And I was just having a good time uh, for a long time. Which Taylor and... Swift song was it? No, not Taylor Swift song. <laughs> no, it was oh, it was a Disney song. Is a Disney song, oh, but yeah, oh, yeah. even better. I, I like the Disney songs. <laughs> Much better. You redeemed yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but uh, it was even funny. I was telling somebody after the race. There was a point where I was I hadn't even hit the first 50k loop yet, and I felt my quads were kind of feeling it from the downhills. Um, and I told him that I was I was actually in a weird way excited that my quads were feeling kind of shot because. I had read about it in books about people talking about ultras and how, like what parts of your body collapse. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm one of those people. This is crazy. My quads are starting to crash. Uh, so that was exciting to me. So just like random things throughout the course had me really excited and just having a lot of fun. And I carried that through the, the whole race, which I think helped me a lot, but, but I felt really, really, really smooth through 50 K um, you know, on the, on the flat sections, I was, I think I even dropped a few, you know, six thirties, some like six twenty highs. And then just to make up for the, the slow mountain miles. But, uh, also like, I didn't know where the competition was. Um, I had asked my parents to like, let me know at the aid station, like at the previous aid station, how far ahead was I? And after a little while, they, uh, they'd only stay at the aid station an additional 10 minutes after I left because I needed to get to the next one. And so my dad just kept telling me like, you have at least 10 plus minutes. And that's all he would say. And so I had no idea if that meant 11 minutes or if that meant mm -hmm. 20 minutes, but I had a competitive mindset the whole time, um, which helped as well. But it was just one of those, like I had been thinking about it for so long and dreaming about pushing myself to the limits and just executing my race plan was was huge for me and it it helped me as the race was going on just as i felt like myself just doing well and succeeding i i felt even more motivated as i went on and mentality like going into the race is i kept telling myself that 95 percent of the race had already been decided based off of how everybody's been training um leading up to it because you can only be so fit going into the race and i knew that i had had a very consistent training block um, so 95% of the race had already been decided in my brain. And then I, I kept telling myself that the smart guy was going to win the race. And so while I knew what I was capable of, and I knew what pace I wanted to hit, I knew that I had to be smart about it. And so besides the one electrolyte thing, I just kept being smart, um, and, and running through things the way that I knew that a, a winner would run through it. Um, cause I just, I just imagined uh, like, you know, a hypothetical interview at the finish line where they ask, what was your race like? And there's going to be someone who says, I went out too fast and I crashed or I didn't drink enough water and I crashed. And then they're going to interview the winner and the winner is going to say, I executed my race plan well. I used nutrition well and I ran the way that I knew that I was capable of. And so I kept telling myself that 
through the race that I just had to execute my race plan the way that I know that I can succeed. And, um, yeah. And then later in the race, uh, as my brain started to leave me a little bit, I started, I was talking to myself and <laughs> I, I read David Goggins book. And so I, I kept saying like, they don't know me son, uh, as I was running <laughs> and just like, just hyping myself up being silly. But, but yeah, we've all been there in some capacity. You, t- you have to talk to yourself at some yeah. point and it's generally like 50% really profound stuff and 50% that afterwards you're like, I hope nobody heard me. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> you had talked a while back that you did your 50K and you did another 50K, but you hadn't like scratched that itch. You hadn't got that full experience yet. Was this enough or do you need to get a deeper field or a longer race to really find out what you need to find out? deeper field longer race i uh i i feel as i as i executed my plan well like i said there was definitely room for improvement and um i would i would also i'd love to to race some people like in, in like a closer race just because i imagine that's also going to elevate my performances being competitive with other people so i'm this is the most motivated i felt in a long time okay. <laughs> not that i didn't have motivation before but but I'm feeling very driven and just excited to to keep pushing myself and finding finding my limits because I just I feel limitless right now. I feel I feel so good after this weekend. Yeah. And competition late into a race is that variable that challenges your execution. Like they're the reason Absolutely. to skip a drink or a refill or to exceed uh, you know, one beat per minute or whatever it is like, that's that confounding factor. Mm-hmm. And that's, that'll be a cool test for you. Absolutely. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, did you, did you wear a heart rate monitor at two questions specifically? What was your heart rate average for the seven hours and 40 some minutes? And then, uh, just your nutrition plan that you switched up from Mountain Dew and Goldfish. What was that? <laughs> yeah. So my, my average heart rate ended up being 162. So it was kind of high, um, higher than I thought it would be. Um, but it never felt like, like obviously it, it would spike up pretty high and turn the uphills. And then, um, so I was kind of surprised to see the 162. I thought it'd be closer to 150. So I guess I was, I was pushing pretty good throughout. Um, but yeah. And I mean, as, as, as accurate as a watch can be when it comes to heart rate, but it said 162. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to nutrition, what I did was I had, um, some goo gels and some Martin gels. And then obviously the salt stick like electrolyte chews. Uh, and then also I had two of the Martin 320 drink mixes um, that I used throughout. But when the race started, I waited 30 minutes and then I started taking the electrolyte um, chews. And then every subsequent 15 minutes after that, I was taking one of the chews. So every 15 minutes. But then as I started to get to that, those cramps, I was taking them more like every 10 minutes roughly just to recover. Um, and then when it came to the the gels, I ran 45 minutes with no gels and then I took a gel and then every subsequent 30 minutes after that, I would take another gel. So every, you know, hour 15, hour 45, two hours, 15, stuff like that, um, throughout the whole race. And then I had, I think it was mile 20 is when I, I wanted the aid stations. I drank a quick bottle of the 320 mix just to get a little more calories in me. Um, and I did that again at mile 40 roughly. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful for those friends I talked to the night before as well, because me just not knowing a whole lot, I, I thought that I'd have to like eat more 
And so I had planned to like get a snack at each of the aid stations. And they were like, oh, you don't need to do that. Like if you're trying to run that pace, like you'll be just fine with your with your gels and your drink mixes. So just just gels and drink mixes the whole time. Um, and then, like I said, that handheld water bottle that had the, the electrolyte chews in there. These friends sound like they're already ultra in the ultra world. They, they know a good bit. Yeah, they, they know more than I do. <laughs> How'd you find that coming out of college already? So, so one of those friends, he was my old boss at, at Fleet Feet. Um, hmm. So he's still local in Augusta. We talk often. Um, and then he introduced me to one of his friends. Um, her name is Lindsay and his name was Dylan. Just a shout out to them, I guess. <laughs> uh, but Dylan and Lindsay and Lindsay, she runs a lot of ultras herself. So she's got some experience uh, running the further distances. And then Dylan, he ran um, some years ago now, but he has done them as well. I then just kind of followed the sport a little uh, closer than I had the past few years. Um, so, so they just had a little bit more knowledge mm-hmm. going into it than I had. It's a good support system. Absolutely. Eating's a, eating's a tricky thing, especially as a new ultra runner. Like it is, people don't realize how tough eating is. Like you, people think like, I'm going to be hungry and I'm going to want it, or I'm going to do this. Like, it's like, you don't want it. You're not hungry. It's always inconvenient to take it. It never comes at a yeah. good time. You have to be diligent about it. New ultra runners often go way too long between fuelings and calories. So to hear you were doing something every 15 minutes should just like, hopefully stick with a few of our listeners. Um, cause that's, yeah. and that's something, that's, that's something I learned like in school, um, like in my kinesiology degree, I learned about like at what point the body needs supplemental nutrition and then how often. So that was something I had learned and kind of knew that those were the timetables of when I needed stuff, but it took some people to tell me that I could get those nutrients from just gels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I experimented okay, so with bo- a lot of things. Oh yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like, like pizza. And, and stuff like on some of my long runs i would just i would put like two slices of pizza to the side and every hour i just eat a slice of pizza and see how that worked and i've always had like a really strong stomach so they worked uh it worked pretty well but i guess it's not the most efficient thing <laughs> you can save that for the hundreds and two hundreds yeah yeah <laughs> um before we get to what you're looking to next i guess uh, I just want to steal some workouts from you selfishly. You talk about your flat threshold sessions. Threshold is king. We preach float style intervals and long threshold is the foundation to your top end fitness. You want to give us like your top three favorite, uh, threshold or interval workouts that you did in the, in the lead up. Um, some of your, maybe a handful of your favorites. Uh, I would be curious to hear. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty, pretty basic workouts. Like I would do, um, like a eight by mile workout is what I really enjoyed or eight or nine by mile where I would just run a mile at, you know, decent pace and then do like a 90 second jog in between, then do another one, um, with, you know, 25 minute warm up, 20 minute cool down just to get the mileage in, then do a shakeout later in the day. But just eight or nine by mile was a good one. And then sometimes I would do just like K's or eight hundreds, but in the same like capacity, like I would do enough of those to get the same, like distance as the like eight miles worth of something, um, whether it be K's. And then my my favorite workout, uh, and this one's kind of like a feel good, uh, like couple weeks before race type of workout. It's um, is I call it just, it's just a, it's like a lumberjack workout, the modified lumberjack. And I think that it's called that because NAU, like Northern Arizona University, uh, they're like famous for it. But I would do four by four hundred. 
and then a three mile tempo and then four by 400, three mile tempo, four by 400. Um, obviously with a warm up and cool down, but, but that was kind of, it's not a very hard workout. It just makes you feel good and fast uh, and kind mm-hmm. of touches on maybe some speed that you hadn't hit. Um, but it's, and all of these workouts, like none of them I'm pushing too hard. Like, I think it's really important to feel comfortable in all of your workouts. Like I think Elia Kipchoge says like he never goes past 80% or something in his training in terms of how much intensity he's doing. Uh, and so I kind of have the same mindset going into it. Like I'll have workouts where if I start feeling like it's too tough, I'll like slow down the pace or I know I even cut one of the the mile reps I was doing. I think I, I only did like six one day because I just wasn't feeling very good. Um, and I'm good at listening to my body, but it's just about feeling easy and feeling controlled while being fast. Yeah. Yeah. When you had Rabda, you're really good at listening to your body. <laughs> Bad example. <laughs> oh, it's a great reminder. Busted. 120 mile weeks. It is. Yeah. 120 mile weeks. They'll cover up some, some B workouts here and there. Exactly. Yeah. And consistency is everything. Like yeah. I appreciate it. Like eight- Sounds like eight miles. You really like that total quality volume of like roughly eight miles for a quality session, short rest. Yeah. That formula. Mm-hmm. If you're debating between distance or distance of intervals or total time on feet and then the amount of recovery in between, it's always like go longer and take shorter recovery seems to be what I'm yeah. gathering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. That was the biggest transition for me and Bracken. I'm speaking for you, Bracken now, I suppose, but post collegiately, you know, as a miler in 800, we may do workouts with heavy rests like so we could actually mm-hmm. rip and then transitioning out and realizing to get good at the long stuff took sh- longer intervals or longer tempo or threshold runs shorter rests that was a tough transition you obviously made that seamlessly but we got a lot of rest in college so we could run fast and it's like not how the real world works once you're done with 5k and below i feel like yeah yeah as a ego hit and it's hard to take it on faith that it'll work for a long time, you're programmed, mm-hmm. I must run fast to get faster. Seriously mm-hmm. fast. So mm-hmm. what's next? I know you're only five days out. You're probably still using the railing to get downstairs. And that's the natural progression. <laughs> that means like you get, you've get you read about that in books. Congratulations. You did it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's about time where you've gotten enough messages from people saying, hey, have you thought about, I'm sure that you're starting to just begin thinking about. So what are you thinking about? Yeah. So, so actually my recovery has gone really, really well. Um, the first like, Sunday and Monday, yeah, I was, um, I almost fell over in the airport several times because my quads were giving out on me, but it's actually, I'm recovering really quick. Like I was able to run yesterday and this morning. Um, and so that was, that was, I just wanted to make sure that I was going to recover pretty quick. Uh, but what's next for me is I actually, I received the opportunity to run at Black Canyon next oh, cool. month. Um, so I will be in less than a month now, hopping back on the starting line and to try and uh, try and show everybody what I'm made of again. But so what's your plan? Really, really excited about that one. That's quick, <laughs> it's a quick good question. Turnaround. I mean, how do you? Yeah, train absolutely. Them? Uh, I think that I think that. So for this week, primarily, I'm just I'm just doing really easy mileage. Um, like I'll probably you know maybe be at 60 miles by the end of the week. Um, just really light stuff. And then next week, it'll probably be still decently high mileage, maybe closer to 100, but without a real workout in there. And then I'll have one week of like pretty much a full week with a session on Tuesday, but maybe not a full long run um, that Saturday so that I can recover a little bit 
And then the week of is the week of. I'll just pretty much do easy runs with maybe a small fartlek on Tuesday. Um, but I, I don't do a whole lot of tapering. Like I just I don't think that tapering tends to make your body feel flat on race day, or at least it did a lot more in college when you need that extra edge in the 10k. Um, so like I did like a very small taper for for Bandera, where it was literally just like Thursday, Friday before the race. I just did one run instead of two, um, and it worked. So I'll probably try and try and do as many things as similar um, as I just did for Black Canyon. And what's the course profile difference? Is that a little bit more vert out there? That's a good question. I don't even really know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that there's there's more downhill, uh, is what I've heard. So so I'm hoping that my my quads are getting stronger from this this previous experience. Um, and then I had someone tell me that it's going to be hot in some spots. So I'm I'm trying to look for like a sauna or something that I could do a little heat work in. Just it's last second, but just trying to get a little heat work. Um, but I know that historically, like times have been a little bit quicker at Black Canyon. I'm not really sure what the cause of that is, but, but I mean, if I could run what I just did, um, but work on those areas of improvement, I feel pretty confident going into it. Um, barring a good recovery Mm -hmm. in these next few weeks after this race, but yeah. I was trying to look up the, uh, profile here to get you your vert, but I can't find it off the top, unfortunately. Now, is Shoot, is I'm Canyons uh, a ticket race this year? Um, yeah, so well, Canyons I think is in April. Black Canyon, they're both golden ticket races, okay. but uh, Black Canyon's got three golden tickets, um, so it's a prime opportunity, and that who's, would be the goal. That'd be who's the goal going? Trying to get a golden ticket, or does it not matter? I haven't even looked. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know. Okay. <laughs> um, and I, I'm so I'm so new in the sport too. It's like I mean. I know, I know like some of the top guys, but in general, I don't know all the pros. So, um, it'd almost be nice to get to the starting line and just look around and not be intimidated by anybody because I don't, mm-hmm. uh, most people are, I think that'll help me. And then I can just, once again, just try and execute my, my race plan. But yeah. Is it four or five weeks to the date apart? It It's February 10th. So I think it's three weeks from this Saturday. Um, so f- okay, I think so. It's, it's four weeks directly from Bandera. It's a quick turnaround, I no like, doubt. I, f- I feel like that's like as close as you could possibly cut it and still have two good races. Like, right. Once you yeah. say, I mean, you know, four weeks, one smart down week, one transition week, one week of work again, sort of. And then hopefully yep. it's there again on race day. It's just very interesting not to throw caution or like a tale of caution, but it's like, that the rose tinted glasses are so on after the first ultra that like, it's like, can the next one go as well as the first, right? Like, can I feel mm-hmm. that magically good until 40 miles again? It's just like, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out because they're tough to string together. Like, sounds like you felt really good. Like execution was fantastic and it very well can happen again. Yeah. I just wonder if it will be the same experience for you or if you're going to actually, you're going to learn some new things about yourself in the second race. So I'll just be very curious. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to be invested in following you. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure that I'll, I'll hopefully correct the things that I need to correct on. I'm sure that there'll be some new things that I'll mm-hmm. think about after the race. I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe this could have gone better this race, but uh, it'll it'll be another learning experience, but I'm excited. But your first one with competition is like your first race all over again. So there'll be some, some butterflies <laughs> and excitement there. That'll be good. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So people want to follow along, get to know you. 
all of that sounds like you have a YouTube channel maybe that you make content on. What where yeah, is all that? Yeah. What is all so that? So I um my my tag on YouTube is just Hans is young and fit. Um kind of a funny story about the young and fit thing, but it's just Hans is young and fit on YouTube, and then it's just Hans Troyer on all my other socials. Um just my first and last name. But the YouTube channel is still pretty new and I'm I'm learning how to edit. I'm not very good at editing yet. <laughs> uh, I just use a little app on my phone uh, to try and do it, but I'm working on it and I think it's just, it's fun for me to make. If anything, I just want to be able to look back on these videos and watch them. So, um, and I, I hope they're a little informational, <laughs> but, but for the most part, it's just fun for me to make. Did some creepy person refer the... to you as young and fit once and you ran with that? No. So, <laughs> so what <laughs> happened? Um, so in my, my final, like two years, uh, Augusta, which is where I went to college, there was me and one other guy. We were like the older guys on the team by like a good bit. So we knew that we had to hop into a leadership role. And so we're constantly thinking about like, you know, just how to bring the team closer together. And I was just, I'm like, I guess goofy. And so I was just trying to say some funny things, but I had seen, there's this movie, it's called 17 again with, um, with Zac Efron and Matthew Perry. Uh, but in the movie, I guess, uh, the guy goes from, you know, like 45 to 17 again, and he's doing these basketball drills and he's just having so much fun. And he says something like, wow, we are all so young and we are all so fit. Like, and he's just, he's just excited because he's 17 again. And so I showed up to practice one day and I started saying, guys, like, these are the times we're so young and fit. Um, and that kind of became the mantra for my, for my final track season was we're all trying to get young and fit. Uh, so quickly just became my thing. I started saying, these are the times and, um, young and fit. <laughs> I support that, that message. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> as do I, as I get older. Um, I'm satisfied. <laughs> you satisfied Bracken? Do you have any questions, last minute questions? No, that's a good one. And, and this'll, this'll leave the door open for when he punches his ticket and goes on to fame and fortune, then we'll circle back around. <laughs> And well, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been an honor, really. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad uh, you were able to. Uh, I mean, I think I just messaged you just a couple of days ago, so appreciate your quick turnaround. And hopefully, you're not dying of dehydration in there with the heat. So maybe you need to go no. get a sip of water. And we wrap <laughs> I, this I thing have up. the door open. I'm doing good now. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks for your time. Yeah, and good luck with this next race. We'll be tracking you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm sure a bunch of the listeners thank will you. be following along on race day too. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you it. it. 